Hello, stargazers, and welcome to Seventh House Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek. For those of you who are just joining me, as always, welcome. I am glad that you're here. I'm glad that you found my podcast. What I do with Seventh House Astrology is that I take either an aspect, such as a planet, or, you know, thus far it's been either a house or planet. Or there are also times where I take topics that are usually related to romances or relationships. The reason why I do this is because I explore everything using Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship Astrology. If you're familiar with composite charts, that also comes into play. But all the way around, I just explore everything with Sinistry Astrology in that sort of lens. And then I endeavor to answer the question, what makes relationships tick towards the end of each episode? Now, like I said, I endeavor knowing that I just have astrological information at hand. I also go into what did we learn today when it comes to the end of each episode? Because sometimes there's always something that's very, actually, I don't want to say sometimes, that most times there's very, usually something that's extremely enlightening when it comes to the topic of the the week here. And then, of course, for those of you who are joining me, a big, huge, hearty welcome. Actually, I just counted it up, Stargazers, and we are on the 20th episode. I mean, it is very hard to believe that I'm actually this far. It was just yesterday that I was just starting Seventh House Astrology. So for those of you who are still listening all this way and who have been listening since I first started uh, podcasting, I really, really appreciate your loyalty. And I really, really appreciate that this is working out for you or that the, my podcast is working out for you, that it's entertaining and also informative for you. So I just want to remind you, Stargazers, that I do have a Patreon account. You can find me at patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology. When you do become a member on patreon.com, you guys will get a free Sinistry chart, both of you and your partner, Gil, free reading, actually. And what I just ask that you do, and it's also listed on Patreon, is that you basically input both your information as well as the information of your partner on Astro.com. I just want to let you know that on Astro, it's all free. All their services are free, so there's no extra charge to do that. But once you do that, uh, email me your chart as well as your partner's chart. And that way I can read it, and then I can FedEx the booklet as well as your partner's charts, at, you know, the Sinistry charts. And, you know, you can kind of see, like, what is going on when it comes to the different planets and what it what your Sinistry charts also look like along with the booklet. So definitely it's a, it's a great offer, guys. It will also help me to keep this podcast up and running with new headphones, state-of-the-art equipment. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. And, you know, even if you don't pledge or if you, even if you don't become a member, I've also been putting the highlights of the week when it comes down to the post. So definitely check that out to just just definitely check it out in general. It's a, it's a very a very interesting venture, very new venture for me. 
So, as promised, since we have two retrograde planets going on right now, it's been quite a week astrologically. I'd love to be able to give you an update before also diving into the episode. Now, I noticed that last week I got a little bit lengthy in detail, so I'm going to keep this brief and kind of keep it short so that we can get into our topic that is that is of Mars in Sinistry. So uh, I think that's definitely going to be an exciting topic for this week. But mainly when it comes down to the two retrograde planets with both Venus and Mercury, I haven't really been seeing much of Venus. I think it's just been really the same thing as with last week, being visited with the memories of ex-lovers past. And the same technique applies, again, seeing if there is loose ends or if there happen to be a loose end within that relationship, tying it up. So in my mind, and again, I just emphasize this, if you do try this technique, make sure that it's within your mind. If you do write, say, a letter, make sure it does not, it's not sent to your ex-lover. Um, also, just make sure that you're not stalking the ex-boyfriend or the ex-partner or, or, or the ex in general. Don't get into trouble in this, in this time frame. Um, for me, it's just been within the mind, though, really just kind of tying loose ends by really envisioning or imagining what I'd like to say. And then, obviously, however you want to do that, come back into the present moment. And I always have to remind myself myself that there are bigger and better and greater opportunities. Whatever happened, happened then whatever's in front of me is what's happening now. And sometimes I think it's great to get that reminder of, you know, the, just the present moment, especially with retrograde plants, because we can get a little too hung up on the past there. I think the reason why I didn't really feel so much of Venus retrograde is that as of today, the 29th of January, she is actually now stationary and has stopped her retrograde motion. So if this, this has been kind of a tricky time for you, the good news is it will be coming to an end. Uh, what shadow means is that Venus will just stay stationary. She won't be moving for another week and a half to two weeks, and then she will go back direct. So this is a great time to actually reflect on what had been learned within the retrograde period, if any sort of expansive insights had come out of this period of time. I think for me, really just trying to remind myself of the present moment and also really trying to be aware of people and people's feelings and people's emotions, but also just being aware of just people's behaviors and other people's behaviors, as well as how to handle that was really a very important, you know, thread for me, you know, how to accept snideness or how to accept being somebody who's on their high horse, how to accept that with dignity, how to accept that with grace without getting nasty or snarky in the process as well. Now, unfortunately, Mercury is not in its final stages of retrograde. It's just begun. 
And I don't know about you guys, but with Mercury retrograde, I have just had the worst case this last week of scattered thoughts. I will be focusing on a project at hand that I need to do, and then suddenly, zip, my mind goes somewhere else. And then after that, zip, it goes somewhere else, someplace else after that. And I know, you know, either with Mercury retrograde, it's either foggy headedness or not understanding or miscommunication, very frustrating situations that usually happen within that sort of transit. But I know the zipping of the thoughts, for me, it's been minorly disruptive and it could be minorly disruptive because I also have some bigger things going on in my life. But uh, I do just have to say, because it could be annoying as well, especially if you're at work and this should be happening. One thing I found that really, really, really helps with this current Mercury retrograde and the one thing that I found as to what could be causing these scattered thoughts is that, well, first thing with Mercury retrograde, it's been kind of interesting this last week because it's gone from being outside of Aquarius Aquarius is actually a very energetic sort of sign in the Zodiac. It moved back from Aquarius to now Capricorn. So two things could be happening with that scattered thoughts. The energy from Aquarius, so from earlier this week, the energy of Aquarius can really speed things up and mental processes can really be a part of that. Sliding into Capricorn, well, knowing that Capricorn is all about hard work, due diligence, and really just making sure that everything gets done on time, that all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. I wouldn't be surprised if Mercury retrograde, if it, it will be continuing in Capricorn, which actually it's looking like that's going to be its trajectory. So the negative side of Mercury retrograde being outside of Capricorn is that the reverse can happen. So instead of being on top of things, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, you could be facing more procrastination. Or for me, the darting of thoughts, a lot of motivation can also be happening. What I would just say, guys, um, one thing that's really helped me this last week, pardon me, is that I have been using an emotional intelligence sort of theory and technique when it comes to the scattered thoughts and also the lack of motivation. Using emotional intelligence, and according to emotional intelligence theory, if you are at a lack of motivation, you can do this with a smartphone with your smartphone if you have a timer. Set out 20 minutes worth of time. Or if you want to count it out manually, uh, you know, with a clock, you can easily do that as well. But it's about 20 minutes worth of time just to dedicate to the task at hand and just try to set that amount of time to just try to concentrate as best as you can on the task at hand. When that 20 minutes is up, give yourself a break. And why this is considered to be emotional intelligence is that the greatest thing about it is in, in the 20 minutes worth of time, you can accomplish a lot. You can also feel far more accomplished as though, you know, yes, you really were trying to get work done. Yes, you were trying to get that really, really, really important document taken care of, when, especially when it comes to work. And it helps you to feel far more accomplished and far more with it 
than if you should procrastinate on that particular topic. And with that motivation, it actually helps you to develop the self-confidence that could be causing the procrastination to keep going with that particular project. And with 20 minutes worth of time, it's also kind of a trick. Um, it's not a long time, but it does help you to kind of trick your mind into, hey, it's not a long time. We can just chip away at this important task and then get back to it later. So it's a way to kind of, you know, help you with time management skills as well, which I feel is also another difficulty with this Mercury retrograde transit as well. The other thing is that in that 20, after that 20 minutes has lapsed and whether or not you want to go for another 20 minutes or you just want to rest, you give your brain a little bit of a break. And especially if it's like mine, where it's scattering all over the place, it just tells me, especially with Mercury retrograde at this point, there's a lot that's kind of in being overloaded onto people. And the mind can only take so much information and so much bombardment that it, it, it starts chucking information out. So you're accommodating for the scattered thoughts, the procrastination by also giving yourself a much needed break and also giving yourself the permission to look at other things as well. But I feel with that equal half-half situation, it helps with, can really just help you to trick you into becoming a little more motivated when it, especially when it comes to things that need to be done. So stargazers, I hope that that works out for you. I know emotional intelligence is not really related to astrology all the time, but hopefully that's a good technique that can help, um, help out when it comes to Mercury retrograde, particularly this transit. And as always, I will give you an update next week as to both It'll be Venus stationary as well as Mercury retrograde. All right, as promised, Mars and Sinistry. So when I came up with the topic for this week, Stargazers with Mars, and I know some of you kind of wonder how I how I come up with some of these topics for my episodes. Well, I remember I was, I was at first thinking of Saturn, but then I remember the last time that we spent some time with the planets, we already dealt with a generational planet. And I didn't, didn't want to get too fixated on the generational planets and then miss sight on the personal planets. So I did want to come back to some of the personal planets as well. The reason for Mars is because I have actually a very weak Mars in my chart. I'm not going to lie to you, Stargazers. I actually tackled Mars because I did want to learn just a little bit more for my own sake and my own astrological information. Mainly, as I said, because it's it's a, in a very weak aspect in my chart. And I just feel like it's not really being weak. It's not really well expressed. It is chucked in the 12th house. So for those of you who have listened to what makes an affair episode, I did cover planets that are chucked into the 12th house in that area. As I, I'm just going to reiterate because um, most times when planets are chucked into that house, they're not really fully represented in full. Somebody can either have a great, 
you know, understanding of the archetypes inwardly, but not really express it outwardly. And I think the greatest example for me with Mars being chucked in that 12th house is that I have a lot of, I can always have a lot of anger and aggression issues, just depending on how much stress I have in my life. And also just depending on the time in the month or the time of the day, um, some things can really hit the wrong way in internally for me. And instead of really taking care of that and releasing that amount of anger, there's a lot of, well, gee, is this bad? Gee, is this not so, is this evil? Gee, this is not, this is really frowned upon in society. So again, it's, it's really very at a weak point as well too. Because it's at a weak point, I really haven't come to understand Mars uh, since I started learning astrology. And I think this is because, you know, there's a lot of bottled up, um, a lot of the archetypes associated are bottled up within me. So this has been as much of a journey for me as well as it's going to be for you this week. So I'm actually glad to share this journey with you. So the general associations. So even though I've had a little bit of a struggle understanding Mars, a couple things came to mind when I started learning astrology to begin with. One thing that my astrology teacher used to really impart to me about Mars was it's the planet of willpower. And I think the best way to illustrate this or the best way to give an example of this is, so I'm a child from the 90s. And I was nine years old when a certain program called Home Improvement used to come on every night. I think it was like, oh, goodness, I can't even remember the night that it came on. But I remembered every time that it came on, I remembered catching it. And one thing that I really remembered that really struck me is a great analogy. Tim Allen's character in Home Improvement. So Tim, the Toolman Taylor... Always on tool time, he bragged about more speed, more horsepower, more torque, more glorified masses. And, you know, normally it always resulted in more energy, more power. And then, of course, he'd always proceed this, you know, this more power with this animalistic grunting sound. Now, I mean, I could mimic that, but I'm afraid I would actually scare you guys if I actually did that myself. But Tim the Toolman Taylor to me really embodies the archetypes of Mars very well. Because I mean, with his more speed, more power, this is a man who, again, obviously not only a lot of willpower, but I, what I also see with Mars, assertive energy. You know, very much like Tim the Toolman Taylor, whenever Mars appears in your chart, that sort of energy is, I'm going to get things done, I'm going to do this, and no one's going to tell me otherwise. And we see that with Tim the Toolman Taylor. I'm going to torque this engine even though it's far more horsepower than what it actually needs because I feel like it's the most brilliant idea ever. It's not just I feel like, I know it's the most brilliant idea ever. 
Uh, you know, kind of like Tim the Tool Man Taylor, when you disagree with him, there are bouts of anger, which also comes about with a Mars transit. Now, Mars transits, there are bouts of anger, bouts of temper tantrums, especially if things do not go your way. And also, like with Tim the Tool Man Taylor, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, for those of you who remembered Home Improvement, I think the biggest part of the comedy for me, and this is possibly my own personal sense of humor, the greatest fun was seeing how Tim the Toolman Taylor kept messing up his own home improvement projects on the air with Tool Time. And I just felt like that was also perfect because with Mars, and especially when I see it in an aspect with Pluto in a transit or in a chart, that's where I warn that person or just kind of warn of, be careful and try not to get into accidents because prone to getting into accidents is a big one, big factor. You know, you're just not thinking clear, clearly. You're thinking with willpower mind. You're thinking with, I'm going to show the world. I have a big idea. Me, me, me. And you get a little blindsided. And somehow that that ends up in a really bad accident. With Tim the Toolman Taylor, it's like, you can't tell me that I can't put so many voltages into this particular project. And what ended up happening? There were times where that project exploded on stage and started a massive fire. There were other times where something went wrong and things were flung out to the audience. There are other times where Mr. Tim, the tool man Taylor had to go to the emergency room because he did something stupid like Lewis hand onto a piece of wood. So yes, be careful, be careful, be careful of accidents. I also say getting into combative arguments or even fights as well too, because again, hot tempers, I feel, you know, it's just a fiery planet or Mars, just a fiery planet. And Getting into fights, getting into hot tempers, it's just that planet that has that energy behind it. As Rachel Stewart Haas mentions, it is an activation planet. And as she so brilliantly mentions in her book, Mercury in Retrograde, with Mars being an activation planet, you know, it can cause us to really take action, you know, either in going up to the burly guy and telling him that his mom sucks or, you know, it can cause you to get into those sort of fights where you're just not using great common sense or, yeah, or go up to that guy who's over six feet tall and tell him that his tattoo looks ugly and, yeah, and then having it result into a really nasty fight and something that's really not something that you're not very proud of at the end of the day. But also Rachel Stewart Haas mentions that with that action, I mean, we can turn it constructively. If there's a political cause that is causing you such ire, volunteer with a great political community or with a great cause or what you feel is a great cause. You know, let the energy of Mars motivate you to do that. In my personal situation, because I am going to have surgery come March at this point, it might actually be a little sooner. I know I've been feeling the Martian energy of getting into action, like just going out and getting some exercise. 
also making sure that physically I feel fit so that when I am in bed rest, which I feel like most of this, the after the surgical procedure, I feel like that's what might happen is one in one and one half to two weeks, I might be in bed rest. You know, at least if I'm in bed rest or I'm close to home and I'm resting up that at least I'm, I'm doing something that's healthy that can set myself up for not only healthy behaviors for when I do recover, but also just for good health so that I don't have anything else that can go wrong with me. But I think, um, you know, Stuart, Rachel Stewart-Haas has just a great um, point there with, you know, put it into constructive action. I mean, there's a lot of great ways to put Mars into action. And, you know, with one great habit comes at least like 50 more. It's amazing like how when we set our mind up for one good habit, and this is particularly true with Mars, when we get one good habit down, one good deed down, or just one good idea down, 50 others pop up. And it's the same thing with bad habits. Like if we're getting into fist fights or we're using Mars energy to get into fist fights, it's amazing how we set up for 50 bad habits in our own mind, and our own consciousness. I do have to quote one more astrologer before I get into the sinistry aspect of it. And that is Stephen Forrest. I feel like Stephen Forrest really helps me to understand Mars really well for me. And I, I just feel like it, it kind of illuminates, you know, his description illuminates the red planet and what it means in your chart as well. With Stephen Forrest, he mentions that Mars is actually the survivalist planet. It is fight or flight, our drive to thrive, put me first. Uh, it includes sex. And it's also how ambitious we are in achieving not only sex, but also in achieving our goals. And I think the one thing that he had mentioned within his book, um, the Book of Fire, especially with Aries, is that when it's the first day of spring, anyone who is either an Aries or has an aspect in Aries, such as a moon ascendant in Aries, or if they have a really very clear Mars placement, they may recognize that, well, you know, while the rest of us are recognizing spring as being a hopeful time, the birds are chirping, you know, actually plants are growing out of the ground, the Mars individuals or the Aries individuals recognize, well, birds are chirping, but it's only a matter of time before mama kicks her babies out of the nest. And then comes the test time as to who flies and who survives and who doesn't. Or with those plants in the ground, well, it's only a matter of time before the older plants uh, kind of take one for the team, die out to make room for the new plants to grow. So definitely with that survivalist mentality, that fight or flight and make it about me is definitely really well illustrated in his book of fire. And I really feel like that's, that is Mars. It's, it's more of forget about the other people, forget about compassion, forget about all the, like the good virtues and the good morals that we usually learn in society. Let's just make it about me because it's all about my survival. And, you know, in some cases in our charts and in some cases that can be very useful, you know, such as in the workplace and, you know, in certain random situations, 
But in other cases, I think with Rachel Stewart Haas, you know, using that action and that make it about me, using it constructively, I think is the best course of action when it comes to the Red Planet. So again, with all these wonderful general associations, how does Mars, our wonderful Red Planet, relate to synastry? Well, Whenever I see the red planet in a chart, what the first couple things that I usually see are the chemistry is usually loud and proud, and then usually it lots of chemistry such as how fast and how strong of an attraction you have to somebody. I also mentioned especially where Venus is concerned. Venus in your synastry chart, you know, when you're looking at Mars, it's kind of good to take a look at Venus because Venus is that grounding planet. Mars, as we'll see with Townley, is really just a pure energy planet. So um, definitely I, I could see impulse, like really having lots of chemistry, moving the relationship very quickly and having a really strong sudden attraction, kind of like with Romeo with Juliet. Love at first sight. Definitely a very Mars, Mars central type of theme in the chart. Impulsivity is another thing that I see. It doesn't matter whether a partner likes it or not. You know, if somebody with a heavy Mars placement feels that something must be so, it's where they act without reservation or accord. You know, they're just attracted to you. They're just going to go after you. Whether the pool, whether the water is in the pool or it isn't, you know, that person's going to dive off into the deep end, whether they're going to be met with water or not. And I've actually been in this situation with the impulsivity, uh, usually where it's just like coming on really fast with a couple of partners. And it's like I said, I, I think the last was within the tango community there was a certain gentleman who just, I mean, out of nowhere, just, yeah, I like you. Yeah, I want to date you. Yes, I want to I wanna know you and so on and so forth. Didn't know anything about me. Didn't know anything about my personal history, but it was just initiate and initiate with, without a cord, you know, initiate with, without any of the facts, without any sort of logical reason, just moving on forward. And that's definitely um, very common in sinistry charts where the red planet is, is involved. I find with Mars, it's action and a romance. It's very quick. There are no second thoughts. Um, and it's actually just, it's either do or die. And with, it's either the relationship works or it doesn't. It, there is no in-between when it comes to Mars or there are no in-between grounds. And we'll explore why in just a moment. I also see determination, how active a partner is able to pursue you and how, you know, how persuasive or just how, I'd say perseverance more than anything, like how they persevere in wooing you or how they just keep fighting to woo you or also vice versa, you keep fighting to woo that person. I know when I went to barbering school, I liked this guy. I went way out of my way to make sure that he knew that I liked him. I walked him to his car one day. I was in my early 20 or in my early 30s, I should say, and still kind of learning the ropes a bit bit more. 
But uh, yeah, just really doting on this guy and just really showing him my affection. And I kind of see that again as a Mars situated or Mars sort of energy that is situated within that chart. Particularly, it was within my chart at that time. So again, yeah, perseverance, you know, really coming back and really wanting to be in that relationship with you. According to Astro Matrix, when it comes to the red planet, um, it can indicate two factors depending on the gender of the individual. And it's kind of, it's very interesting. So kind of like in the crushes episode where we mentioned for women, the ideal man can be assessed with the combination of the sun placement and which sign that's placed and the Mars placement in her chart. Here we see that in a woman, Mars's position is what she desires in a man. Venus actually shows who she is as a woman. And that is probably why Venus is a very necessary component and a very necessary grounding force in the chart. And when it's going to be interesting because when we cover Venus, it's going to be just the opposite when we come into that. I think the reason is that Mars is such a masculine planet, it needs that feminine energy to kind of clarify it a little bit as to where where it can go, like this, where the sexual energy or the chemistry is really going to go. For men, just the opposite. Mars shows his masculinity, like who he is as a man. Now, at, you know, who he is as a man, the fortunate situation about astrology is that we have 12 definitions of that. So it's not our traditional macho, macho man, you know, not the traditional Aries prototype or the Scorpio prototype, you know, Scorpio when they're driven. Um, it, it's not normally the Scorpio prototype. Every man is different. And we're going to see this, too, with Venus as well, too. Every woman is different as to who she is and how she expresses her femininity. And you know what? I'm just going to say this, Stargazers. All 12 representations are all very legit. There is no right. There is no wrong. The only right or the only wrong, I feel, is a, is really structured by society and what it imposes on both genders. And I feel like that can be rather destructive. I also feel like what might be wrong is if, say, a psychopath should, you know, excuse his tendencies because his Mars position is in such and such a, a sign. But, you know, we're all innocent, wonderful, good-natured adults. You know, as far, you know, I, I just, I'd like to, Leave it on that note. So for men, when, when I say it shows his masculinity, it shows like what he values, what is masculine to him. And normally that's something that he has to identify when he listens within to himself and really tunes out what is expected of society of him and really represents himself far more. And like I said, there are 12 different associations with that, no right or wrong. And Venus, you know, just the opposite. Venus is what he looks for in a woman. You know, it's, it shows what he desires in a woman, which is kind of interesting. 
So within the Astro Matrix example, in a woman, if, say, there is a lady who has a, a Mars placement within Scorpio, she's going to desire that her lover be kind of like Christian Grey in Fifty Shades of Grey, where he's intense, he's loyal, very passionate. And especially when it comes to the bedroom, that intensity and the ferocity is really going to be very important to her. A level of secrecy when it comes to the relationship or just a level of privacy is going to be very important to her in a relationship. Now, if like say her Venus placement is within Pisces, however, that shows that as a woman, she's very compassionate, wears her heart on her sleeve, very giving to her friends, but she might have this inward drive of what she would like out of a man. Vice versa with a man, with the, the man, if he should say, have his Mars placement in Virgo, what that shows before his masculinity is that he's determined to really serve his partner. And that's where his focus goes. And also, you know, outside of the relationship, serving others as well, too, or making sure that he is serving others and making sure that society is being upheld in every right way possible. But I think in the relationship, really upholding the relationship and really making sure that he is giving what his partner wants is utmost. And then I also think that sensuality is really, you know, the Virgo part really, really brings out his sensuality. If his Venus placement should say be in Scorpio, this is a man who really desires a woman who gets down to the truth, who is also loyal and passionate, also has that sense of privacy as well, too. Isn't that interesting? I just, I just found that to be, I mean, I, I just found that to be very mind expansive this last week. I, I really kind of like that within the synastry. And of course, I cannot have a podcast without quoting my dear old good friend, John Townley. So John Townley, like I'd mentioned earlier with Mars, by itself, Mars really just represents pure raw energy. So for the key takeaways of this week, Stargazers, I unfortunately, I mean, I racked my brain all week as to, okay, so what can we learn about Mars? Unfortunately, the one thing that I can tell you is that it is because it is such an energetic planet and it's just pure raw energy points. Some things cannot be avoided, and I normally hate to advise this, or I normally hate to say this, but when it comes to Mars, this is definitely true. There are ways, like such as pulling back, and we can, we're can we definitely going to get into that later, you know, like with Neptune pulling back and making sure that before you go into a relationship that you kind of see the whole worldview, but for the most part, it's about diving in, digging deep what we desire, sexual chemistry, sexual magnetism, really what we also what we need in a relationship. So yes, by itself, it is pure raw energy. And the energy is really do or die, as we mentioned earlier. 
Uh, there is no in-between. It's either it works in a relationship or it doesn't. And Townley mentions this as though it's how two energy directions mesh. So if Mars is just pure energy, you know, of individual personalities. So if we take the Scorpio Virgo example again, so lady who has the Mars energy in Scorpio, her raw energy is just on intensity, on passion, whereas the man who has Mars in Virgo is more on service, being dutiful, making sure that this lady's needs are really well met. In this way, both of those energy points mesh very well, or they can mesh very well. I even think that the Virgo energy can ground the Scorpio energy to where it's not just about intensity and passion, which Scorpio can also boast of, and especially Mars and Scorpio can boast of. Now, for example, if the same lady who has Mars and Scorpio should meet a man who has Libra, like a, a Libra Mars position, the man who has the Libran Mars position can really not mesh because his focus is more on keeping everything balanced, keeping, you know, everything, the kind of like keeping justice in the relationship intact. And his focus, his sole focus is really to kind of keep everything fair. In some cases with his Mars energy, it might seem a little weak because it's not in a great place. So it might seem like he's kind of procrastinating when it comes to his partner's needs. And when it comes to this lady who just wants passion and intensity, he might not really fulfill that. He might be more dedicated in making sure that the relationship is loving and making sure that both partners are giving in turn. So that's where energy points right there might not mesh as well. And, you know, the Scorpio lady, the woman who has the um, Mars and Scorpio may feel that this guy's actually kind of boring because he's just so nice or just trying to focus on niceties as opposed to her actual physical, raw, sexual needs. So again, with those pure physical, emotional energy points or those energy directions, that's where it, it that do or die or whether this relationship will grow or die on the vine is really very key in my in my eyes. He mentions that with Mars, it can be the engine to power your relationship and, and, and the engine for desire. With the relationship to Venus, it's crucial um, as the hard or soft aspects will indicate whether or not the sexual needs within the relationship will be fulfilled. So what Townley usually mentions is don't just look at Mars like I just did a little while ago. Um, also look at the Venus situation or the Venus positions of each chart mainly because, you know, again, the Venus positions ground, you know, whereas um, Mars is just pure energy and it's pure, pure male energy, especially, you know, with that assertion point, especially Venus, it, you know, grounds it by being pure female energy as well, too. And it can show 
whether there's going to be sexual tension. It can show, you know, the deeper aspects because you're also seeing who that person is in the chart. I feel like the best way to kind of give a good example of this, you know, the Mars and the Venus aspects is to dive into a chart. And I know this is very uncharacteristic of me, but I just felt like it, this was a, the best point. I want to take a look at JFK or John F. Kennedy's chart along with Marilyn Monroe's chart because when it comes to Venus and Mars, their charts really stand out and a lot of astrologers actually reference their charts in detail particularly how Marilyn Monroe's, I think it was her Venus placement. No, it's her Mars placement in Pisces actually was squared JFK's Venus placement in um, Gemini. And uh, that, that was where a lot of astrologers would say that that was where a lot of the relationship became very sexual and nothing more because of that that main square. And the main square caused the two partners to look at the relationship to be more of a sexual relationship rather than something else. You know, or just it that's where the pure animal it's like it almost seems like there was pure animalistic energy that kind of came out of the relationship. Which is kind of a shame that that's all it was because when I take a look at both persons, Venus and Mars placements, it cut, it looked like it could have been a very jovial, very um, nice relationship, honestly. You know, with JFK, his Mars placement was really in Taurus at that time and or at the time when he was living. And being within Taurus... I mean, this is definitely somebody who is devoted towards really loving their partner and loving their partner very well. And with Marilyn Monroe, when it came to her chart, her Mars placement was actually within Pisces. So when it comes down to the Mars placements, uh, the different Mars placements here, with JFK, naturally, he was a very... I mean, like the love, the love engine, Mars being outside of um, oh Taurus, the love engine was very high. And knowing that Marilyn Monroe craved that with her Mars placement being in Pisces. I mean, being in Pisces, she was really craving somebody who was, again, who would be compassionate enough to really understand her really troubled emotional realm. And the hardships that she had to go through, goodness, when she was in her in her twenties to her thirties, I think she at a very young age she had to commit her own mother to a mental mental institution because her mom was, I think, in the back in the day was having signs of what we would consider to be bipolar disorder. But back in the day, it, there wasn't really a case for that, and like I said, it was it was very upsetting for her to have to do something like that. It was also very upset. She also just came from a very upsetting past as well. She tried, she tried to overcome a lot of odds stacked against her. So I think she really, to be, it's fair to say with Marilyn Monroe, she really craved a man who could just understand her on a pure, raw, emotional level, in, you know, inside of her and overlook the, the femme fatale. 
What was interesting, too, is that her Venus placement was actually right outside of Aries. You know, it's in her natal chart. And what that indicates is that as a woman, you know, especially when it came to her career, she wasn't one to sit on the sidelines. She was up close and center. Um, She was not, you know, she was not just going to stand idly by. She was very active in her career. She was very active in her life. Um, She wasn't just going to allow for circumstances to just kind of wash over her, really. And especially when it came to social interactions and loving interactions, she's probably the first one to initiate it because, you know, again, with Aries energy, Aries is all about, I have the idea in my head, I'm moving forward. Aries also ruled by Mars, by the way, as well, too. So we get that Martian energy of drive forward, move forward, and without consequence. With JFK's um, Venus placement, what he desired in a woman was someone who could actually speak her mind, you know, especially with that being in Gemini. So someone who could really speak her mind and really someone who could just really communicate with him and communicate with him honestly and deeply as to what was needed. I feel with Marilyn Monroe, she could do that uh, really with her Venus placement, but Again, with that, I think really what she focused more on with her Mars placement was the compassionate side. But in in essence, between the two Mars and Venus positions with both persons, they both had a very mutual ground. JFK had a lot of love and compassion that he could give to Marilyn Monroe. So I don't really think it was just pure sexual. It, was, it wasn't just a pure sexual uh, relationship. I think there was something more there. And I feel like both persons kind of opened up to each other a lot, even though it was in an informal, extramarital affair sort of space. And also with both, you know, both the uh, Venus placements, they had a lot of mutual understanding in that relationship. So I think um, there was a little bit of love in that relationship, to be honest with you, and assessing both the Mars and Venus placements. They're both at odds within each charts, but I think even though they're at odds with themselves, when they came together, they kind of united and were able to get past those odds uh, when it came to that relationship. Unfortunately, with, like I said, the Mars square Um, the Venus placement, it did end up just being a purely physical affair, which is, I think that's a shame because I think that, like I said, both persons really could have offered a lot to one another when it came down to the relationship. At least that's what I see astrologically. But I feel like this really demonstrates the, you know, relationship to Venus. Again, it kind of grounds. It's not just pure sexual chemistry that draws two people together. There's a little bit more like what is, what really, what, who is the woman who's being involved in when it comes down to her Venus placement and what does the man crave and what does he desire? Even though Mars is giving his, you know, an indication of his masculinity. And you would have thought that maybe like with someone like with JFK that he would have had like, you know, 
uh, Aries, you know, Mars and Aries position. But um, I feel the Mars in Taurus really made him very sexually charismatic as a presidential candidate, as well as just charismatic as a politician as well, too, which was kind of interesting to find. But again, kind of gives you the scope of there are 12 ways of masculinity when it comes to men. And just as there are 12 ways of femininity when it comes to women um, in sinistry. With John Townley, he mentions that, again, Mars is all about the physical, emotional energy and drive, getting things done. And also, really, it's, he indicates that when it, um, Mars, as well as Venus, are well positioned, it, you know, when Mars is well positioned within the chart, it can unite energy, energies towards your goals. It can energize and focus to people who are at odds with themselves. As we saw with JFK and Marilyn Monroe, um, there are two people who are clearly at odds with themselves. They, you know, where JFK, he may have been sensitive with his Mars placement being in Taurus, what he really craved was a woman who could speak her mind and really could be honest and upfront with him at that very moment. With Marilyn Monroe, even though she craved a man who would really understand her emotionally, she was also very upfront. You know, and even though um, she also remained up, up, up front, she really wanted, you know, just a close interaction. And I really think that, um, you know, these were two individuals, you know, like I said, again, their placements being at semi-squares or even square, actual squares in their charts, they were at odds with themselves. They had two different expectations, but they, they're two different expectations that could unite with their charts and their relationship. On the opposite end where Mars is difficult, you're constantly at odds. You're feeling like you're wasting your time and your effort, and it can cause a disruption to equilibrium in each, each person. We've all been there. I, I think it's just, you know, with two partners being at odds, like having a square or an opposition when it comes to Mars. It's a what hit me syndrome or what just happened sort of syndrome. I think the what hit me syndrome usually comes with the pursuer. You know, the person who has the strong Mars energy and who is pursuing the object of their desire, whereas the what just happened is the person who's being pursued. And both people can feel it when it's not really well aligned or when Mars is not really well aligned. Um, John Talley had mentioned something of how to fix this, although I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it. He mentioned that compartmentalizing the energy flow when someone is in charge can help a difficult aspect with Mars. So he mentioned, you know, don't just because you have a difficult aspect with your partner when it comes to Mars, don't just write off the relationship. You know, maybe you can compartmentalize who's in charge and take it from there. I'm still wrapping my head around it. You know, the only thing that I can say that as to what I understand about that would be that if somebody clearly wants to take charge of the relationship, then let them is what it sounds like. Otherwise, if you continually challenge it, it's going to be a continual challenge in the relationship. I feel that with if you're at that 
particular state in a relationship, maybe question whether the power play is really worth it as well, too. I know with Mars, there comes power play and dominance issues when it comes to relationship. Is it worth it at the end of the day? And I think ask yourself, is it really worth time, energy, and effort to keep this going? You know, even though it, it's it's going to require compartmentalizing, you know, do do we can we really make this work or should I just let this go? So coming up to our wonderful segment of what have we learned or what makes relationships tick? Like I said earlier, stargazers, unfortunately, when it comes to Mars being a pure energy and a pure masculine energy planet at that, Mars placement in a chart is basically, it is all or nothing. And really, when you do enter into a very Mars-oriented relationship, and I know I've been there. I have been there many times where I'm pursued by a guy He's the opposite of me. We have nothing in common, but for some reason he is just loving on me. Or there have been times where I've I've been in that sort of relationship myself where I just love this person. I just want to go for it. Um, Really just keep in mind that if you should accept somebody who is loving on you, note that again, that is a Martian quality or that is a Mars inspired sort of relationship and that it will be all or nothing that it's like, okay, either this works out or it doesn't, there is no middle ground. And what I usually recommend, just like with Neptune energy, even though, you know, it it just, it might feel like it's right to jump in. I feel like it's good to, if you are the the pursuer, so to speak, like Mar- Mars is really strong in your chart, pull back. You know, and I said this too with uh, Neptune, with idealism energy, pull back. But except instead of just trying to see realities as with Neptune, I would say with Mars, pull back and just assess the dynamics. What is really driving you? Is it love that's driving you? Or is it just pure animalistic energy that is driving you? If it's pure animalistic energy, you might want to reassess it. Because again, that all or nothing can be very difficult to uphold. And it could be a very difficult relationship to even behold. That energy can also be very hard to deal with. I mean, it's very hard to deal with in a personal chart too, like, you know, Tim, the tool man, Taylor, it's all or nothing. I'm going to, you know, I say all and I'm going to juice up this hot rod and guess what? It's going to explode. You know, it's, uh, it, it can be a very difficult, you know, difficult placement for people individually because it puts a lot of pressure on the individual. And the pressure is usually like how it usually is associated with ego and trying to look good. And with, um, you know, trying to look good, it's honestly, it's like, are you a wimp or are you a coward or are you, are you a strong person? Or are you a great virtuous person who's very courageous and strong and, and is, is a boss, so to speak, you know, the same thing in, um, relationships, it's just, it's very hard to live down because you have two people who might have two different forms of willpower or just two different forms of energy points that really drive them in the relationship 
and therefore also drive them in life. So again, pull back and, you know, make sure that there's water in the pool before you make the leap into the relationship and maybe make sure that the uh, partner might be interested in you and don't just, don't just go off the ego glorification that Mars stokes in you, but actually just, you know, really honestly assess the situation before you dive right in. And uh, that's really the one point that I could just, uh, you know, really admit when it comes down to Mars as well. I also just say that if you are involved in a Mars relationship, you're wondering where it's going, take a look at your Venus placements. Um, You know, take a look, you know, with the Venus placements, you get a little bit of a fuller picture of both people in the relationship, as well as just a fuller picture in general of where it can go. And with that fuller picture, whether or not it's worth it or whether it just might be better to break ties and leave it at that. So stargazers, this wraps up a, another fun filled episode. I thought this was actually quite fun, you know, in diving into Mars. It was, it was definitely very fun in uh, compiling the information for you, but I hope that it's very wonderful information for you, that it serves you well when walking into a relationship. Above all, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. We're coming up to new moon here coming soon. I think new moon is on February the 2nd, which believe it or not, is just right around the corner. I have not detected any planets in the sky, but you know, sometimes you don't have to detect a particular planet in order to just enjoy the full wonderful starry sky where the origins of astrology and also sometimes our origins come from. Above all stargazers, I hope I find you nice and well. And until between now and next week, be well. If you guys also have questions for Sandra Misek, you can contact her at either Misek, M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra at gmail.com or on her Instagram page at, at Sandra dot Misek. And again, that is M-I-S-E-K.